0: Hey everyone, welcome to How to Make Your Own Miniatures Game. I am Rick Graham, owner of White Light Media and creator of the Revelation Skirmish and Field of Legends Miniatures Games. You can check out my company's website and get information on our other projects by going to whitelightmedia.org. Now, we are now at episode 7, if you can believe it. Uh, (laughs) Now we are going to be getting into the conversation... Of playtesting. Now we've dabbled in this conversation a little bit. Uh, we've talked a bit about you know like how to design your own stats, um, starting to get some of the core mechanics down, and some other ideas. You know world building and and kind of getting the scope of your game and the scale of your game. So now we're getting to the point where we can actually start rolling some dice um, and start getting some feedback so that we kind of know if we're going in the right direction. So what is your primary objective with playtesting? Well, um, with playtesting, you're trying to test your game while playing it. Um, you're playtesting in the beginning, because I'm going to go ahead and preface this really quick. This episode is not about playtesting uh, when the game is finished and you're just trying to get more general feedback. Or once the game is totally designed and you're introducing a new uh, model or unit, this is focused on uh, more of the initial beta testing phase of playtesting. This is you still trying to get down core mechanics, tighten it up, add additional more advanced rules, uh, kind of figure out ways to teach people how to play. Play Playtesting is great at locking down rules uh, for verbiage because you will tell people over and over and over teaching them how to play your game. So you're going to learn your own rules pretty well, I will say. You will still forget some of the rules, so it's not a bad idea to either download, like, uh, you know, save your notes on a, and, you know, handwrite them into a notebook, save them as a PDF so you can load it onto your phone or tablet when you're out. If you want to print them, that's fine, but you're likely going to print them a lot uh, because you're going to be making changes. I would focus more on just getting a digital copy or a handwritten copy and then kind of just flesh things out from there. My way may not go with you. Um, Playtesting is exciting, and it's also really, really daunting. It's really challenging because here, you know, you've been spending, let's say, maybe weeks or months kind of developing this new creature, this, you know, your little baby game, and then you're going to go teach someone else how to play, and there's the fear that they're just going to blast a bunch of holes in it, pointing out all the problems with it. I would say that this is very natural. Uh, I wouldn't super freak out about it because this is the natural thing that has to happen. You have to eventually... Make yourself vulnerable and open your game up to critique and open up to find out that your game sinks or fails, you know, like it floats or sinks, you know, like it's successful and you're moving forward or you got to go back to the drawing board and start over with different concepts or different ideas. Uh, So let's discuss uh, when do I play test? I would say as soon as you have some stats down. We mentioned that in previous episodes where don't do not look to write your entire game Design uh, the core mechanics, develop some stats, start rolling some dice, start figuring out if the game sucks. Uh, Why? Because you're going to go spend hours and hours and hours writing out and building all this engine. And then if you haven't even played it, you don't even know if it's fun. You don't even know if you like it yet. So you got to get to a point decently early on in the process because your testing should begin really close to the beginning. And it's going to continue through the rest of the development. There won't be a phase of game design where you're not testing the game. All right. Um, I guess you could say technically in the marketing development, you might not be testing. But I would argue that you still should because you should already be working on, uh, depending on what your purpose is or what you're driving for. So like for me, I'm always trying to test some new model or testing some new um, advanced rule or testing something. Usually, um, sometimes I'm, I slow down and let myself kind of have a break, but I'm usually trying something why I'm a very, you know, mentally active person. I'm, I'm looking for things to do and things to move forward because I want to make this my full-time job. So I take it in a different level than maybe you, and that's fine. Um, but just to kind of tell you how I'm, how I view it. Um, what should I do while play testing? take lots of notes lots of notes mental notes handwritten notes make i would stress highly to write them down you will not remember them all you'll you should be making notes of things like you know how is the game flowing or um specific stats specific rules your measurement system your speed system your attack system your defense system Uh, what other types of crazy wacky components you come up with as part of your engine there's always things to 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 make note of and sometimes it's to make note that okay it's working it's not always you're not always play testing looking for where there's problems you're also looking for where you have got it right Uh, so don't be thinking that this is all about looking for the negative it's not but you need to know the realistic view if your game blows now's the time to find out if your game is gonna you know is already hitting it off and doing really good maybe you're onto a really cool engine and you've got down you know something really nice and moving forward with uh, next question i got here um how much should i play test at a time like how many components or how many stats or how many units i would say as little as possible But I would make a note of that to say more than nothing, and by that it's very confusing. But by that, what I mean is, don't try to go and test ten new units. Don't try to test twenty new advanced rules. Try to um, do certain things. Like so, if you're doing a play test, do it with purpose. All right, we're going to be testing this new unit for this side and one new unit for that side. By and large, if you were going to do this like a big company, um, you would test, I would imagine, one thing at a time and make sure that one thing functions the way it's meant to. And if it's not, you tweak it, you keep playing until you lock it down. But for us, more of the hobbyist game designers that are also leading into the solo entrepreneur game designers, we need to kind of accelerate things. So we can't always test one thing at a time because... um, while some people may think I've done a lot of playtesting. I've done quite a bit. But I've been trying to be very <laughs> tactical with it. And move into more advanced. Where people didn't really know I was making notes of things. Um, because I'm always making mental notes of... If I start noticing a particular unit um, maybe winning. Or doing too much damage. Or not doing enough damage because it gets blown up too quick. And I'm kind of trying to always be observant of how certain units are performing. Um, I'm not trying to, my brain's not going at 100% constantly because I'm trying to be in the moment and trying to analyze how are the players reacting. Are they having fun? If they're not having fun, what's wrong? Is it something, you know, in them personally? Or is it something with the game? Is it something with their opponent? Is it something with the dice? You know, you're trying to, there's a lot of things that you're watching. So being an observant person or trying to wear your You know, your observer's hat uh, is very important when you're playtesting. It's a bit granular at times um, because this wasn't really my intention. You know, one of the things that I, when I made my miniatures game, Revelation Skirmish, I wanted to design the game that I would enjoy, right? The game that I never found anybody else to make. And I think I've done that. I've accomplished that. But I know that every time I go to play, I'm working. Even when I'm just doing a for fun game, I know I'm analyzing it and I'm working. So I've kind of just made peace with that. And I know that every time, uh, once a week, I have a group that meets and we go down to my local game store and we play. And I know no matter how many players show up that night, I'm there. It's work. Um, I'm promoting I'm trying to be observant for how the players are reacting, we're testing something new, we're using some new um, mechanic or something, we're doing something and my brain is in active mode. When I go to play other games, I'm just there to hang out and chill. By and large, I'm not there with a ulterior motive, I'm there to just relax. When I'm going to promote my game or we're going to go play test or we're going to go meet up and play every week, I'm there trying to grow my brand. And that doesn't mean that I'm constantly trying to be like... I know some people probably think that sounds like you're just always in it trying to get something from other people. And that's not true. Um, in part, I'm always paying attention because it's it's one of the, the, the um, easiest times that I have to have other players around. And some of these people don't know me that well. So I get a little bit more of a uh, different perspective, you know? So I'm just trying to be observant and just watch for that. Um kind of going back to the you know how much should i play test at a time you you're gonna have to test once you get through the initial play testing and you start locking down game mechanics and you start locking down what are my um let's say model stats you know like i've mentioned before you try to figure out What's going to be your character or unit that is in that classification? So for Revelation Skirmish, we have infantry vehicles and war mechs. I try to make one that all the others were going to be inspired from. Some may have vastly different stats, but they're going to still kind of fit with that mindset, that engine in place that I built. Once you've tested that and you've locked that in a lot better, you're still going to be making notes. You're still going to be making changes months from now, but you've gotten it a lot more, a lot tighter. Then you can start testing more than one thing at a time. And you start growing that. And you may end up with games where you're testing multiple mechanics. And that's fine. And it also kind of depends on you. If you can go through and test and you know that you're getting good test results, great. If you know that, no, Rick, I need to do one thing at a time so I know that it's good, that's fine. If you have the time and the patience to do that, that's great. That really is. I would say that's the much more methodical and scientific way of doing it. I am an impatient person. So I'm doing everything I can just to do testing. Uh, So (laughs) but that's just me. All right, moving on. Next question. Should I make my players sign an NDA or non-disclosure agreement? I would say no. Um, In my mind, I am passionate about the Revelations universe. As of this recording, I've written five novels. I've created a miniatures game which is awesome we got two fully fleshed out factions a uh, mercenary faction which will combine models from different uh factions is now growing and expanding we're getting ready to launch a a third primary faction with its own starter kit with its own unit release and so and then you know then we've got plans to flesh out that third faction more working on trying to what can we do to introduce a fourth faction so i mean i've 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 got a lot, and I know that there are people out there that would steal ideas from me. But I had to make peace with, you know, I don't think the average person's going to. Why? Because this is a lot of work. A lot of work. It is. And I don't say that to be, ooh, (laughs) hit a spring on my mic. I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to, I know years ago, I was afraid to give people my writing, which was absolutely trash. I was afraid to give them my, my writing sections because there was a part of me like, well, what if they steal my ideas? I had no flipping idea how hard it was to write a novel. I had no idea how hard it is to write two or three or four novels. I had no idea how hard it was to create a miniatures game. And to go through all the trouble of getting artists and, and vet oh my gosh, the vetting process for artists. And then the artist might quit. And then you got to go find someone else to do what that other guy did. And, and then you have to come up with all the money. And you have to come up with all the, the other infrastructure for building the brand and doing all the social media posts. It's a lot of work. I love it. Uh, at times, yeah, I'm frustrated because we're not moving at the speed that I'd like to. But at the end of the day, I, I am blessed. I know I'm blessed to be able to have this sort of lifestyle. Um, while I'm not doing it full-time as my income, I still get to do it. I still have a lot of opportunity to do it. And I know that's a big deal because not everyone does. There are people out there that work two full-time jobs just so that they can stay in their home. So I I recognize, so I try not to come across as being like a, a, a twit. Um, but I know that even if I handed somebody my engine and I said, yeah, man, look at this. You can read it all. All you got to go do is... Get all the models made and put up thousands of dollars for infrastructure and for, you know, all this other stuff. And you got to deal with all these other elements. Man, most people don't have time for that. And if what are they going to do? What are they going to do with your game? What are they going to do? Seriously, they're not going to do anything. They might tell some people. And I I don't want to say that and just be flippant and just like give everybody all the secrets and tell them everything. But just understand that the average guy that you're going to meet or, or lady that you're going to meet at your local game store or in your friend's group, they're not going to put the effort in. And I'm not saying that to to, to 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 say that they're nobodies. That's not it at all. But it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. Even if I stole your idea, you know, it would take me so much work. It wouldn't be worth it. It, it seriously wouldn't be worth it. So if I... Met with someone and they said, Hey man, I want you to play test, but I want you to sign a non disclosure agreement so you don't talk to anybody about it. I don't want you stealing it. I don't want you giving it away. I don't want you telling anybody about it. It's my secret. Uh, unless they were a close friend, I wouldn't be interested. I'd, w- I'd, I'd walk away. Why? It's not worth the headache because this person doesn't understand how much work goes into this. They're so worried about somebody stealing. That they're not even so focused on the playtesting and getting players. Because it is flipping hard to get players to play consistently for free. And you can give them free stuff. Like, you can give them miniatures, or you can give them tokens, or, you know, you can give them a t-shirt. You can do whatever. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, they're not fully bought in because they haven't had to buy it. So these playtesters, they're, they're really, in effect, doing you a huge, huge favor. So don't discourage them by saying, look, man, I don't want you going on Facebook and telling a bunch of people if they got on and told 50 people on Facebook, would it affect your sales in the future? I extremely doubt it. Will they take your idea and run off and and make their own game? (laughs) No, they're not going to do that. They're really not. I would be I would be blown away if I told anybody an idea and they stole it and went and not only published it. But actually, went through the trouble of getting workers and and getting sales to do it. I I would I, I, I don't even know I, I would, I don't want to say I'd eat my hat because it could happen at some point. But I'm pretty much to the point where I would eat my hat <laughs> because I don't believe it. It's so hard. Um, so I I wouldn't make people sign a non-disclosure agreement. Should you make you know if we get kind of a sidetrack, should we make our artists sign a non-disclosure? That's up to you. I don't worry about NDAs. I've told artists at different times, different modelers or different concept artists, um, you know, please don't say anything until, you know, whatever month, because uh, I want to do the announcement. By and large, until you start having fans and you start having a community, nobody cares. If your artist goes out and blabs and tells a bunch of people, oh man, look at this model I made or look at this artwork I made for this universe Nobody knows who you are, so they're not really spoiling anything because very likely those people that they're spoiling it to, quote unquote, don't know you aren't in your community and aren't phased. And maybe that actually might draw them in because they're like, wow, that's, I really like that. That's a cool tank or whatever. You know, where's the, where's that community at? I want to be a part of that and follow that project. It may end up being good. It may end up doing zilch, um, but more than likely it's not going to do anything. Um Alright, moving on. Enough of that. What if my system, the game engine, or particular game mechanics just suck? I say good. Rick, how can you say that's good? Because we're still in early playtesting. It's better to know now and get it tweaked than be months in and then somebody says, Uh, you know, hi Mr. Game Creator, yeah, like this question I have, it just totally blows a hole in everything you created. You like you somehow missed the obvious um, or someone exploits a rule and you're like, I can't believe no one has ever done that. And now my game is ruined because of that. I have to go and fix it. And I have to plug that hole in because now that there's this big exploitation, it could ruin everything. Um, if if your system sucks right now, that's fine. I, I've already gone over in other episodes changes that I made that, that you know, um, dramatically altered the way that revelation skirmish was played. Am I upset with that? No, I'm, I don't feel like it was wasted time, anything because I got, I figured out what I did like and what I didn't like. And you know, I fixed it. Yeah. I don't think it's a problem at all. Uh, once you're months in and you're finding out huge problems, I think you gotta start questioning things differently. But when you're in the early weeks, the early months, nah, man, that's part of the process. All right. How many people should I let play test? Now, this is you know I make this up ep- these episodes for those that are trying to get into making their own miniatures games. So very likely you're a one person operation, not counting any freelancers you hire. Like the full time people or the people who are seriously invested in your project is probably you and only you. Um, so I would say you should aim for one to four players to play test. Um, one gives you someone to play against. So you can at least have somebody to, to, to go up against. But I would say four is great because it lets you watch two separate tables, play the game, and you can just go back and forth watching and answering questions or helping clarify rules. Um, because very likely there's no rule book. So all these players are only playing off of their interpretation of what they've learned from you. They can't go to a book and say, oh, okay, on page seven, this is the rule so we can resolve this conflict. They, they're going to need you. Um I wouldn't say you want to be careful a little bit. You know, the the next question is what sort of players should play test? And (laughs) being a wise guy, the ones willing to play, right? You got to at least get people to play the game. But in seriousness, you want to pick the right candidates if you can. And that's sometimes hard because we don't always have a big group. But you want someone That you know isn't likely to give you all sorts of bad feedback or be too critical. Um, Having somebody who's only a downer, who only attacks, who only, you know, um, looks for problems instead of being able to say, hey, I like this, but, you know, this could use some work. Those people who are just always negative, 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 you don't want that because this is a sensitive thing. And maybe you're a lot tougher than me. But for me, there is a point of vulnerability by letting people in and letting them experiment with something that I'm so close to. And I recognize that and I have to shut that off so that I don't get um, offended when someone says something weird. Like, I don't like the way that this looks. People say the wackiest crap. They seriously will. They will absolutely say mean things, hurtful things. And they don't understand that that's what they're doing because they don't they they don't know how much work you've put in, okay? They don't understand, um, and you can't let it bother you. you Got to keep going, but you don't want to have people that only give negative. You want truthfulness, um, but on the flip side, you don't want someone who will just say that they love it and they love everything about it and there's no problems. I, man, the game's great. I love it. You want someone who's kind of in the middle. If they lean a little more negative, but you know that they make good points, that's a good candidate. If they are typically positive, but they're still willing to be critical at the right time, that's a good candidate. You don't want someone on the extremes. Because they're not, yes, it's great to be surrounded by people who just love everything you do. But they're not being totally transparent, in my opinion. That you need that so that you can make fixes. Um, and that's kind of hard because some people don't want to say anything mean to your face. (laughs) So you got to kind of pick up on little nuances sometimes to kind of be like, um, yeah, I know they said they like it, but I kind of felt like there was some hesitation. So maybe I should at least look at it or ask them some different questions or something. Um, what should I do when the games are over? I would recommend when the game is over, survey the players, spend time trying to come up with questions that aren't yes or no, and then try to get them to communicate with you. So what do I mean by that? You want to ask probing questions. You want to ask them things to get a conversation going. A lot of times what I would do um, is if somebody's already played a couple of the games, um, I would kind of get the group together and just ask, okay, we, we did this new mechanic tonight. What did you guys think? And then just kind of listen and listen. The, one of the important things to do is you are not... When you are surveying your players, when you're asking them questions, shut up, (laughs) just listen. And that's really tough for me because I make a podcast. Like I I know it's new, but I, I talk a lot. I have a tendency to, to talk too much. So I have to just remind myself, Rick, stop talking, let them talk. Um, because you know, it's very likely that you're in selling mode. You're trying to convince them if they start getting the wrong idea of like convincing them like, no, 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 man, you, you misunderstood the rule. It's supposed to be this way, you know, and, and just listen to them. Even if they're wrong, if they're off base, listen to them. Let them talk um, because you maybe they will say something that is important and you'll you'll pick up on and you can try to kind of drill in on to get really good feedback. Um, I would go against written surveys. I tried that. Um, What I found was most people would give me like one or two word answers. When I was trying to ask like probing questions on this written survey, I type it up and print it out. Um, They'd give me the shortest answer possible. Well, why they don't want to write a lot of people now, even younger people, um, they don't do a lot of handwriting. So now here I am getting on to play a game. And then I'm going to be like, Hey man, write me an essay. It's not going to happen. So what, you should be the one writing down notes. Don't make your players. Um, some people might be willing to, and maybe if you're a bigger company, maybe people will because they're like, ooh, I get to play a game with, you know, uh, Frick Fantasy Flight or, or uh, Wizards of the Coast or, you know, Games Workshop. Oh, I get to play a game with them, so I'm going to do the survey. But when you're like a little small operation, people, you know, a lot of more it's more likely these people... Or your friend or they know you or they you know something so that there's a different kind of relationship um so i wouldn't do handwritten surveys i just ask them the questions myself try to get the answers that i'm after uh, whether that's good or bad because i want honest feedback um, but you know do it that way um but you do you should take advantage when the game is over ask questions ask lots of questions Um, maybe write down the top five questions you want to have answers to, uh, so that you can know if your progress that you're making, those adjustments that you're making for your game are working. Um, next question, should I pay my play testers? I would say, no, I wouldn't. Um, if you can't find someone to play for free, then you need to make a post or something for your your store on like Facebook or whatever uh, social media that they use. It's very likely if you just say, hey, man, you know, if you ask the store owner first, if they mind, because maybe your store owner has different rules for for open play testing. I know, as I record this with COVID, it's a different atmosphere than it was when I was doing my initial playtesting. But bear with me, please, that one day we'll return back to what we had. Um, that, you know, you just uh, make a post saying hey you know I'm I'm designing a game this is what type of game it is so that way you don't get the wrong people one time <laughs> one time one of our play testers was inviting a friend of his and he's like yeah man it's it's a table game or something he described it um, and thankfully we the guy ended up showing up late so they tried to contact him and tell him like because there was something that he said that alerted me that I'm like wait does he think this is like he understands that this is a miniatures game. Like it's a miniature war game. And he's like, you know, I-, I can't remember. I thought he said something like, yeah, I think he did. But then when he clarified it with the guy, the guy thought it was going to be like monopoly. And like, no revelation skirmish is, is not monopoly. <laughs> we are totally off the, the monopoly reservation. Um, so it, it, it was not that, but, uh, You know different people describe things differently so it's just part of it too um but i wouldn't pay the the play testers you know try to i was very blessed to have my two brothers would play um and then we had a couple of other friends who would alternate through not on purpose it just kind of happened that way and um, i was able to then kind of grow my group into other types of people um, that i didn't know very well at all some i only met through playing playtesting so Um, that was good you know and um it kind of just still deals with asking the right questions but as far as paying people i mean you're going to get into a weird spot you need all the money you can get to design your game to pay your artists um if your play testers need to be paid then you need to look for other play testers i mean if you want to make a deal with them and say look I'm going to need some help for the next couple of weeks, the next two or three months, whatever your plan is. I'll give you a starter kit. I'll give you a box set. I'll give you whatever. I just need help. Can you commit to giving me feedback and give me honest feedback and meet maybe weekly or biweekly or whatever arrangement you want to make? And, you know, that might be a fair compensation. Um, I kind of let it where my play testers kind of help influence future ideas. Um, sometimes I tell them, sometimes I don't. So, I mean, they are influential and they are a part of the game making process for me, whether they know it or not. So I, I, I try to really appreciate them and, and, and show it, you know, as best I can. Um, and this is my last question I got right now written up. What, what do I do if my players hate the game? (laughs) like what do you do what do you do if the players played your game and they're like you can just tell you can just feel that they're like this is not my game this i don't like this um i would still try to ask them lots of questions um sometimes their expectations will not be in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish um for example i had this one person play my game and we had models, but we didn't have tokens yet. We didn't have the order cards yet. So basically we had just the models <laughs> and dice. We had proxy tokens and handwritten cards uh, so that we could still test things. So it, the the majority of the game was there, but it wasn't all official, if that makes sense. We were still using prototype pieces. And... um which I guess we never got into prototyping. I could get into that, but I feel like most people could figure it out. But anyway, we could, if people think there should be an episode for that, I'll do that. But so I had been doing play testing for several months um, generally positive feedback. We would make tweaks, and then people would say, "You know what? I think that's actually better." So we're making good progress. We're moving forward. Things are going good, right? Now, it's not going as fast as I'd like because I'd, I'd like it to be done because I want to be able to sell it. But being as patient as as I can be, moving forward, trying not to be overly anxious. So one of these players um, play tested, and I could just tell right away he didn't really like the game. And as we're going, he's making like little comments. About stuff and when it's over he's trying to tell me that like well it's basically like star wars legion no no it's it's revelation skirmish is not star wars legion but he thought that it it felt like it because we used order cards and they use a command hand kind of similar idea but order cards are different Because it's something that affects the whole turn. Typically in Star Wars Legion. If you play a card it affects one character. Or just a couple of units. But it's usually not an all turn thing. Um, And those cards can be affected by. Which models in the game get destroyed. While in Revelation Skirmish. You the player are the commander. None of the other units could kill you. So you can still give orders. To your men on the field. All your soldiers. Your men, your men and women fighting. So they can't remove you from the game. So unlike games like uh, Star Wars Legion or Warhammer 40K, where you can kill the hero characters and now they can't do anything, you technically are the hero kind of of your own game. So for your side. So anyway, but he he and I had played Star Wars Legion together before he was part of that group. So he was just, he was picking up on things that in my opinion weren't there, but I could understand why he was picking up on that. But then come to find out, his preferred style of game is like Axis and Allies miniatures. And Axis and Allies if you've ever played that, I've only played it a little bit. It's a vastly vastly different game than a lot of the modern miniature games. It's, you know, um from what I can remember, it you know, we we you, both sides take turns, but then kind of like damage happens kind of at the same time. So it's kind of similar to BattleTech, but it's different. If you've ever played classic BattleTech, uh, or actually, if you've played like Warhammer, <laughs> everybody's shooting and then everybody's shooting and then there's death. But um, it's, his, he wanted things that weren't going to happen. In Revelation Skirmish, our mechanics are, it goes back and forth. It is a reactionary game. I activate a unit. I do whatever I want to do with that unit. You go with the unit. You do whatever you want with your unit. Then I go. Then you go. Then I go. Then you go. So we go back and forth. It's very reactionary. And we go until all the units are activated, then we do a new turn, new, i um, sorry, new round. So the type of game he wanted was the opposite. We're both going to move all of our units. Then we're both going to attack with all of our units. And then we're going to end up having everything that's dead. And I can't stand those types of games anymore um, because it's too slow, way too slow. You know, But in his mind, well, it's more realistic because then both sides are shooting just like they would in real war. And I get that. But at the same time, we're trying to simulate combat while also still keeping both players interested in the game. We're trying to move it along. I'm trying to get done in two hours, right? I'm trying to make the game happen and finish as a creator. So his expectations, his desires for what my game should be did not align at all with what I wanted my game to be, what my game was. So I knew that he was never going to like the game. And it wasn't a big shock to me as I figured out, like, okay, well, that's why he didn't like it. Because it wasn't the type of game he wanted. He didn't want what I've made. He wanted something that other people did. So if someone says that they don't like the game, that's fine because maybe it's just not for them. If somebody sat down to play your game and thought it was going to be Candyland, then they're going to be a little bit shocked, right? Or if they sat down and thought it was going to be... Name any other game out there and, you know, your game's to- totally different. Well, that's fine. They don't have to like it. So don't be discouraged because people hate the game. Or they say, I'd never play it again. Or they just tear it apart. They just are super picky and they just say, like, oh, this is wrong and this is wrong and this, and this, 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 this. Some people man, they, they don't know their head from a hole in the ground. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't know how much work you put into it. They don't know what it's like to design something like this. They don't know what it's like to put up a bunch of your own money, not knowing if you're ever going to make it back. Because some people never do investing. They never do a build, try to build a brand or build a business. So they don't grasp it all. Um, they think they know, but they've never done it. So they don't have any comprehension. So it, it's you have to kind of be able to take the negative feedback, try to find the actual nuggets in there that are helpful for you, if there are any, and just throw away the rest. I don't worry about it. If someone plays my game, you know, I get comments all the time from people, not well, maybe all the time, but I do get comments. I see comments where people are like, you know, <laughs> I don't think I've used this example. I—I I, There was one person once who commented on one of my models. I was promoting a new model. And he's like, man, if all of your mechs looked like that mech, um, I'd play it. And I knew that the guy was a battletech fan. And that's what he wanted, right? That's the type of mechs that he wanted. He didn't want the type that I do. Mine are very different. Mine are more um, modern, western themed. While <laughs> depends on which era of battletech you're looking at. Some are amazing, beautiful, gorgeous, mwah, sexy machines. Others look <laughs> terrible. They've done a lot to update some of the really bad ones at Kickstarter that they did, the campaign. So that's great. Uh, But anyway. But I was... I just laughed at him and I just commented back because I've I've had it back and forth with this guy before. If all of my mechs looked like Battletechs, then you wouldn't be playing my game. You'd be playing Battletech. So some people are just always going to nitpick and find things wrong because they're trying to make you be something else. So... Or make your game be something else. So don't worry about it. Um, if people don't like it, who cares? So, play testing, like I said, this is more of the early play testing kind of thoughts. Um, it would be great if you could eventually get to the point that you could do blind play testing, which is where you give people like the rules and all the models and everything they need to play, and they don't know how to play, and you walk away. You leave the room, you leave the building, whatever so you aren't there to intervene you aren't there to educate um and then you try to you just hope that they play the game correctly uh i had one guy he did a review for the game and i was very grateful it was a positive review he actually said some really really nice but he read the rules wrong really bad they i watched they he did like a a segment of them playing the game and there were so many rules that were wrong and i'm so i'm cringing cuz i'm just like uh uh, you're playing it wrong you're playing it so wrong but you know what they were having fun so it was still a positive for the viewer it was still a big win but it wasn't you like me you know i've been dealing with the rules for months and months on end so for me it's like oh my gosh you're you're, you're moving wrong you're you're shooting wrong like everything's wrong but they still have the same rule book they just interpreted it differently kind of weird um and that's okay I hope some of this hasn't been like too much rambling. Uh, <laughs> More, most of the time, I get pretty good comments about this podcast. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's helpful for you guys. I hope it gives you some some ideas, some ways to think and analyze. Um, I enjoy doing this. I don't get to talk about this kind of stuff with a lot of people. This is a very creative side of me that I don't get to share because. You know, even if I talk to my my playtesters uh, who have developed a relationship with, you know, they they uh, aren't going to do this more than likely. So, you know, they don't need to know what it's like to organize a playtesting group or what it's like to build your own lore for your own universe, um, you know, because that's they just they're fans. They, they, they consume. There's nothing wrong with that, but they're not creators. They're just consumers. Uh, so they don't need to know. They don't need to be bogged down with what it's like. Uh, so I I like having this as an outlet also for me. So I hope that it's also helpful for you guys at the same time, which is great. One last little note: if you're able to find a play tester, if you can kind of pick and choose, or maybe something to look for, it might be good to have your play testers be kind of a bit of a variety. You know, have a guy who's very competitive, so he he's going to look for ways to break the game like in a tournament sense if that's even a big concern for you look for a guy who's a casual player who just likes to play miniature games look for another guy who maybe has never played a miniatures game before so everything he says will be from fresh baby eyes and he has no idea he hasn't been yet tainted by warhammer 40k you know he doesn't know any better or or whatever else, you know. If you can kind of find guys that are kind of in between that too, that can be very helpful. But um, you don't want to only play with a bunch of competitive people, because then what happens? Everyone gives you notes about being competitive, what it's like to build a medalist, list, and what it you know what I would do in order to win the, this big event. But at the same time, you don't want to go with only casual people, because then the casual people will just be like, "Yeah, this is fun. I'm having a great time. I'm I'm you know they they may not look for ways that the game's going to be broken or exploited. So if you can kind of find like a little bit of variety for your group, it'll help you. It'll give you more insight, more perspective. Um, If you can find people of different um, age ranges, men or women, you know, whatever else with you'll get a different perspective. I wouldn't purposely set out to try to find tremendous variety, but if you can build it, that's great. Um, And try to be mindful of that because, um, different people with different backgrounds are going to play your game differently or just interpret it differently. So if you can have a little bit of that feedback to kind of help you, um, it'll, I would imagine it's going to be more beneficial for you, um, in the long run. If that helps. (laughs) Okay, guys, it's getting late. I need to go to sleep. I'll talk to you guys later. See ya.